What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine. Today's show comes to you on the second day of Giants Rookie Minicamp. We're going to talk a little bit about what we saw on day one and some expectations for the rookie class. We're also going to be joined by special guest Jeff Diamond, who is the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to uh, to talk to Jeff about some of the work done by Dave Gettleman and uh, you know some of the things that, that Dave has said recently, thought that it would be really good to uh, get an opportunity to speak with someone who has been in Dave Gettleman's chair and has had to make some of those decisions, you know, as we continue to uh, to discuss, you know, what Gettleman has done with the Giants. So let's begin with a few thoughts on today's, uh, on Friday's rookie minicamp. Obviously, all eyes on Daniel Jones, the sixth overall draft pick. Uh, you know, let's not read too much into anything that happened on the field on Friday. As Pat Shermer said, it is very difficult to judge quarterbacks in that situation, especially on the first day, working with an unfamiliar playbook, working with receivers they've never thrown to before, all of those things. You know, first day in an NFL uniform, uh, although not a full uniform, players are in shorts and t-shirts, so, uh, you know, it's it's one of those types of, of practices where there's really no contact, so... You know, but there are a few things we can take away from what we saw on Friday in regards to Daniel Jones. And my biggest takeaway with Jones was he was not overwhelmed by any of the situation. You know, he didn't make perfect throws all day long. Uh, some good throws, some bad throws, a couple short throws that were too hard, a couple of, you know, crossing routes that, that were maybe behind receivers or off target slightly. You know, but that's going to happen when you're throwing to guys that that you've never thrown to before. You know, throwing, uh, you know, calling plays that you've never played before. You know, my biggest takeaway on the field was that he looked like he belonged there. He didn't look uncomfortable. He didn't look overwhelmed. And I had the same impression when Jones spoke to the media. And I wrote at Big Blue View that he sounded much like Eli Manning, the guy he will eventually replace in New York. You know, very much sort of non-answer answers. 
he seemed ill he seemed at ease he seemed comfortable didn't seem overwhelmed at all by the spotlight and, and all of that is good news for the Giants and for their fans you know as we look forward to the day when Daniel Jones is the quarterback of this football team you know a couple of other thoughts a fifth round draft pick Darius Slayton wide receiver had sort of an up and down day I think he dropped four consecutive passes from Jones at one point including a beautifully thrown deep post route where he had gotten behind the cornerback you know showed his speed showed the the ability that the Giants drafted him for that 439 40-yard dash speed you know but showed the uh the inconsistent hands that uh, that got him drafted in the fifth round instead of in the second or third round you know and as Pat Shermer said uh, you know don't let's not let's not go crazy about the fact that he struggled let's realize that these kids are you know it's the first day lot to learn new environment as Shermer said that's why we practice you know Slayton to his credit did bounce back and make a couple of in traffic catches toward the end of practice um, you know, one one other thing to to note um, that was interesting in the undrafted free agents that the Giants brought in. One of those is Eric Dungy, the quarterback from Syracuse. Uh, and I'm not sure that the Giants are actually looking at Dungy as a quarterback, although. He did work with the quarterbacks on Friday. We'll probably do so again today. They list Dungy on the roster as quarterback slash tight end, which indicates that they might be looking at him, you know, as an athlete. They might want to at some point look at at other things that that Dungy might be able to do for them. Pat Shermer did sound intrigued. He did admit that Dungy was one of the undrafted free agents where where he actually got on the phone himself to pitch coming to the Giants to to the young man not something he does with every undrafted free agent he does that with select ones he did say Dungy was a guy that they had targeted he feels like Dungy is a good football player uh, you know a good athlete and and that you can find you know uses for those kinds of players so his story will be an intriguing one to watch as we get into training camp and and into the preseason to see if this is a young man that the Giants can find a role for pretty much everyone that uh, that was watching on Friday kept talking about Taysom Hill the quarterback you know backup quarterback for the New Orleans Saints who's often used as an H back sometimes used as a running back sometimes used you know just to come in and 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 you know take shotgun snaps and run the football for the New Orleans Saints um, guy that does a lot of things for them uh, I believe he might even return some kicks for them I'm not sure about that but you know but that was that was the thought that was on everyone's mind on Friday you know as we were looking at Eric Dungy out at practice for the Giants Giants will be back on the field again Saturday afternoon for their second mini camp practice and you know and we'll see I mean they signed 13 undrafted free agents they'll probably sign a few more guys today who are tryout players we'll see who those are we'll probably know those names Saturday night or Sunday morning what I want to do right now, Giants fans, is I want to get to what should be the best part of this show, 
which should be our interview with former Minnesota Vikings general manager, Jeff Diamond. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Giants fans, you guys have uh, have listened to me talk long enough about what the Giants have done in the draft, and you've read enough of my stuff on Big Blue View, you know, my opinions. Uh, a little special treat for you today. We uh, we have Jeff Diamond, former Minnesota Vikings GM and former Tennessee Titans president, executive of the year for the Vikings in 1998, joining the show right now to to discuss some of uh, some of what's been going on with the Giants. Jeff, thank you so much for spending some time with us. My pleasure, Ed. So, you know, I, I was interested. You wrote. Recently, I saw a piece that you did in the Sporting News, um, you know, regarding what has gone on with the Giants here, with the, the the decision to draft Daniel Jones, and I think that that what you said is sort of where I'm at with with Dave Gettleman and this whole decision at this point. You know, my, my take is Dave just needs to stop trying to explain himself. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, Ed. I, I think that. His overly defensive posture is not serving him well, and it's just kind of fanning the flames, so to speak, with Giant fans and, and with the, the New York, New Jersey media. And so he doesn't have to explain his draft picks to anybody except John Mara, the Giants owner. And so he, he really needs to just go about his business now. All he needs to say to the, to the fan base is, let it all play out, and let's see what happens. We yeah. all have our opinions about what took place, and and my opinion is, and as I said in the SportingNews.com column that I wrote this week, my opinion is that, that they could have perhaps waited until 17 to get Daniel Jones. I think he probably would have been there. But if you and your scouts have identified this player as the guy that is the person you want to be your franchise quarterback, and if, if you have any trepidation that he's not going to be there at 17, or if you would have traded up from 17 maybe to 13 or something, use that extra third from the Beckham trade, and but you were worried that he wasn't going to be there, then by all means take him at six and then uh, uh, absorb the slings and arrows and, and hope for the best and, and hope it works out. And, and so, but by all means take the player because I've been there in that situation as a GM. And the worst thing... The worst feeling in the world is 
that this is a guy that you thought you had a good shot at and you could have taken and you didn't and somebody else took him. And, and that's the worst situation to be in if he becomes a star. Now, the flip side of that is he better become a star when you take him at six and you pass on a Josh Allen who could have been maybe perhaps a 20-sack player someday, uh, impact player as an edge rusher and, and lots of other good defensive players at that point. And, and so I, I think in the final analysis, the best thing, as you said, is just go ahead, stop talking about it, stop defending the pick. You're not serving yourself or, or the organization well in that, in that way, and, and just go about your business and see what happens. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, briefly, obviously, that you've been in that situation. Can you, you know, can you give me an example, you know, maybe of a player, you know, if, if, you, if you're willing to do this, of a player that, that maybe you really wanted and and thought, you know, I, I know I can get him, I know I can get him at this pick, it, and then he came off the board, you know, on you? Well, I, I think that there are, there are lots of players over time that, that I can recall, and I, I think that in as far as a specific example, I, I think back to, for example, when in, in Minnesota, I think it was about 1994, 95, we, we took Derek Alexander with the first-round pick, and, and we could have had Warren Sapp, and that was the year that all the, the rumblings, all the draft, all the drug rumors were out there on Sapp, and and all the rumblings about him, and, and so a lot of teams passed on him. We were picking 11th, we passed on him, and, and then he, just, he was plucked by Tampa Bay at number 12, ends up in the Hall of Fame. And, and so those are the kind of things that you think back over time, and you think, well, we had a shot at him, we could have gotten him, and, and we didn't. But then again, I think of the good picks that we made, and, and thinking of picking Randy Moss in 1998, and, and took some criticism over that pick in Minnesota at the time because of the character concerns about Randy that caused him to, sl- to slide down the draft board when he was a top five rated player and ended up at, sitting in front of us at number 21. And we made the, the, t- the call that he was worth going after, even though we, we had uh, a Pro Bowl hall, future Hall of Fame receiver and Chris Carter. We had Jake Reed, who was a thousand yard receiver. We, we needed help on defense, but, Randy Moss was such a game changer and, and such a highly rated player. We could not pass on him. We took some criticism, but turned out pretty well. He caught 17 touchdown passes his rookie season, was rookie of the year, and we went 15-1. and one. So yeah, uh, sometimes I, things work out, sometimes things don't. They better work out more often than not. I, I think that worked out okay for you, Jeff. I really do. That, that worked out really okay for us, absolutely. So, you know, I'm interested. One of the things I sat in Dave's pre-draft press conference and he was asked a lot of quarterback related questions before taking Daniel Jones and and one of the questions he was asked you know he passed on quarterback a year ago and took Saquon Barkley even though you know most evaluators would say you know would make the positional value argument and he said before the draft he said quarterback is not a special case he said you don't you you don't you know, change the grade or weigh that more heavily. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's true. I mean, when you sit there on the board and, and, and you need a quarterback, if you have equal grades on two guys, don't you have to take the quarterback? Well, unless you have 
a franchise quarterback already in house. If you don't have Andrew Luck or, or one of those type of guys, then yes. And I think quarterback always rises above if the grades are relatively equal. And I understand his point. His point is, of course, we're not going to pass on a potential great player to take a quarterback who's a lower-rated guy just because we need a quarterback. We can try to do that in a future draft or, or in a future round. And, and there have been great quarterbacks drafted in later rounds. Russell Wilson and Joe Montana were third-round picks. And, and Drew Brees was a second-round pick. So it can happen. But generally speaking, you're going to find your franchise quarterbacks in the first round and high in the first round. So I do understand what he's saying. Uh, but I, I think he kind of was putting up a little smoke screen when he was doing all that pre-draft because, lo and behold, they take Daniel Jones at six, and I have a hard time believing that Daniel Jones had a higher draft grade than Josh Allen or some of the other players that, that were available at that point in the draft. But, hey, it's just hard to see. What, everybody's got their own opinion, and beauty is in the eye of the, of the beholder, and, and we'll see what happens. And, and the, the other point that I, I make in, in all this discussion is that you have to wait probably two years at least to see how it all plays out with a draft choice and with a draft class. And I made the, the analogy to Patrick Mahomes, for example, who his rookie season, he sits behind Alex Smith. Well, the Chiefs draft didn't look that great that year, but a year later he's MVP in the NFL and it certainly looks good. And then the bears look bad because they took Trubisky over Mahomes. But who's to say that in the final analysis, Mitchell Trubisky doesn't end up having a better career winning several Super Bowls. And Mahomes, maybe he gets hurt. Maybe he his shining star fades. Maybe he's not as good a player when he doesn't have, for example, Tyreek Hill. If they get rid of Tyreek Hill. So all those kind of things that can happen in the game. And, and we saw that with RG3 as a rookie and, and how his career unfolded after that when he got hurt. So it's you have to give a draft time to, to unfold. You have to... Wait to evaluate it until really at least two years and probably several years and then make a, a determination. So uh, my final point on that was just for Giant fans and for everybody, just what's done is done. Let's, let's give this time to play out. Right. From Gettleman's standpoint, he doesn't need to talk about it because it just really, as I said, fuels the fire, so to speak. Yeah, I think he's not. He's definitely not doing himself any favors. But Jeff, man, you have to know. I mean, you you're asking the internet and and Giants fans and commenters. I'm, you're asking people to have patience. Come on. Yeah, of course, of course. And I think a big part of the problem is the fact that the Giants are coming off a five and eleven season and three and thirteen the year before, and but only last year was on Gettleman's watch because he was hired. December of 2017, and so obviously the patience runs thin when when the team's losing and, and there's lots of pressure, especially in a major media market such as New York, New Jersey. So that's part of his problem. If the Giants have been losing, if they were the New England Patriots, people would have a little more uh, patience with a pick of Daniel Jones. You know, Dave obviously is a guy who who marches to the beat of his own drummer a little bit. He doesn't necessarily make decisions that to please the majority. He makes decisions because it's what he believes, you know, it is the right thing to do. And I mean, to when I look at it as the GM, as the as the ultimate guy who's judged for that, 
whether he's right or wrong, my perspective is you have to give him credit for believing in the path that he wants to take and, and following it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think that the Odell Beckham Jr. trade is an example of that. And, and he made a tough call there, especially after signing him and giving him a $20 million signing bonus, uh, which John Mara had to swallow hard on in order to, to, to pay him that kind of money with, with OBJ's track record. And then uh, basically six months later, you trade the guy and you absorb a, whatever 15 to $20 million salary cap hit on dead money by, by trading him. And so, but they did get a, a nice return on the deal. And I had, I had uh, been in favor of trading Beckham before signing him to the big deal because I thought that it would blow up in their face if they did a big, big contract with him because I thought he's a diva and he's going to be wanting to be a star off the field and, and be unfocused and get, having all kinds of issues. And, uh, and, I, and I, I, thought it was, I thought it was a mistake to give him that big contract in the first place. But, but then once you gave it to him, then you got to suck it up and, and live with the guy instead of dumping him even if you're getting whatever uh, a bunch of draft picks, you, you trade them away. I, I thought that was that was kind of absurd, and then take that dead, dead money hit on him. Uh, it, it's just so to to me. I think that's that, that that's also part of his problem is that I think that Giants fans and media reacted that way after after Gettleman signs him and says I didn't sign him to trade him, and then all of a sudden he trades him and and. And that's 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 another thing and, that and, you know, and, and Dave. He was, and he's a pop, and he was a popular guy with a lot of yep. a lot of fans, even though he was a lightning rod of controversy. And I guess that saying the whole "I didn't sign him to trade him," which was true, you know, but but continuing to say it once again, it's the whole messaging thing and people wanting to parse your words and and probably would have been better left unsaid. Yeah, exactly, and. Just said, hey, it, it was the Godfather. It was a, a deal too good to turn down. <laughs> yeah. So, and so, in, in the final analysis, we'll see how it plays out right now. It, it, basically, for that number seventeen pick from the Beckham deal, they get Dexter Lawrence, who's a kind of a run-stopping defensive tackle. That that doesn't necessarily look great compared to having an OBJ in the lineup. <laughs> No, and I know that people look at it and say, well, we could have, if we were going to take Daniel Jones, we could have had Josh Allen and Daniel Jones. You know, instead we've got Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence. And I guess, you know, I it's funny because I do a mailbag at Big Blue View, and one of the questions that I got this week was, why do you keep saying, when it comes to Dave Gettleman, why do you keep saying you have to wait and see, you have to wait and see? Why aren't you willing to go out and bash him for letting Landon Collins go or for making the o- Odell Beckham trade. And and my thing is, it, you know, and maybe you can speak to this as a former GM, Dave walked into a situation where this team was 3-13, and 13 and, and they'd been bad for a long time. It It's not, there's no magic pill. It's going to take time, and I think the ultimate judgment isn't, to parse every single individual move that he makes, it's to see after two or three years if he has this franchise pointed in the right direction. And, that, and that's absolutely the bottom line, 
is, is how they go from here and where they go from here and where Daniel Jones takes them ultimately and whether he even gets an opportunity next year or if it's Eli's team, which I have a hunch that come midseason we'll be seeing Daniel Jones and, and that he'll, he'll have an opportunity, as happens oftentimes with, with these young drafted quarterbacks that are drafted high, such as a Jared Goff in, with the Rams a couple of years ago and gets a, his feet wet midseason. I think that's what will happen with Jones, too. And, and so, but, but, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned Landon Collins, for example, and, and that, I think that was a, a deal that a lot of people reacted negatively to. He was a defensive uh, leader of the team and, and a very good player. And, and even going back to trading Damon Harrison, who was a, a still – very productive defensive tackle, and and I can understand Olivier Vernon. He didn't uh, Gettleman didn't sign him. That that went back to Jerry Reese, and and they overpaid him at the time, and and uh, and so some of those other trades I can understand, but I think the totality of it all, the Beckham deal, the Collins, the uh, Harrison, uh, Vernon, and Daniel Jones, it's just a lot of stuff that's happened the Giants and on top of that having losing seasons and that's that's what's really amped up the pressure and as we said I think reacting negatively and, and kind of calling out your critics is, is not a way to, to handle it I don't think. No you're probably right there so let me so let me ask you this um, you know Dave talked a lot about one of the things he said that he probably should have kept to himself was saying that I know for a fact that two teams would have taken Jones you know before the 17th pick and having sat in that chair and you know that that you know rumors fly around and information flies around and people talk to people and and how you're sitting in that chair how comfortable can you usually be that that you have an idea who's going who else is who's going to do what as far as what the other teams are going to do. Well, you, you certainly know what teams' strengths and weaknesses are and what they're looking for. But the lifeblood of, of the draft is is drafting for the future, and the best personnel people are picking the best players regardless of position, unless it's a quarterback and you've got a franchise quarterback. So, I think that. Anybody who says that, that they know for a fact that two teams were going to take him before 17, that, that is ridiculous. And, uh, because you don't know that. He didn't know that. And the teams that he could have been talking about that he may have gotten an inkling on, they could have changed their minds. There could have been a better player on the board. And so you can't really say that. And, that, again, that was just a defensive posture that he was taking and trying to build up the pick. And it just really came off poorly when he, when he added that statement which was really a false statement to make so let me ask you this what is and i you know i know you don't i'm not sure how much you actually study you know players anymore but what what is your evaluation of daniel jones if you can give one at this point Uh, from what i what i've seen of him on tape I, i didn't see a lot of duke games because nobody saw a lot of duke games but from what I've seen on tape, I, I like what I see, and, and I think he's supposed to be very smart, which I'm sure he is, um, having gone to Duke, and his arm looks good enough, and, and I think he's got better mobility than people think for a big guy like that. 
who's six five and and two twenty two twenty five, and so I, I think that he is. I can certainly see him as, as a first round talent, and whether it was a late first round or, or a high first round, hard to say. But again, I, I think that that he looks like a quality player. What I don't really get off on is when people say, "Oh, he's got." David Cutcliffe and the Mannings and all this pedigree and all this and that, that doesn't mean anything. What what means something is what kind of player he is now. The other thing that I think is unfair when you're talking about Daniel Jones is to compare his staff at Duke with with a Haskins, for example. Haskins had 50 touchdowns and nine interceptions and 4,800 yards. And Jones last year had 2,674 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You can't compare Daniel Jones playing at Duke with Dwayne Haskins playing at Ohio State with the kind of talent and supporting cast that Dwayne Haskins had around him. And and I think that's part of the challenge for us in the department is to really separate what a player does with his supporting cast and, and, and but also put that into a, into consideration as you're making a determination and putting a grade on a player. You have to project him into your offense, project him into Pat Shermer's offense, how he's going to perform. But you can't compare his stats to Haskins. Haskins was at a, a powerhouse that's Ohio State. And I think Jones leading Duke to winning records his last two seasons was pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, I, think, I think the guy looks like a good player. I looked at it today. And time will tell. Time will tell how good he will be. And nobody knows that right now. No, they don't. I mean, I looked at it today, and I don't think Daniel Jones played at all. He didn't play with a single player at Duke who was draftable. Not one. Not one that got drafted. That's right. And, and look at look at the talent around Haskins at Ohio State and Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, and, and all the players drafted around those guys. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, apples and oranges. And obviously, as you know, we keep saying time will tell. And, you know, and, you know, as we said, you can kind of parse every single move that that Dave has made since taking over. But if if you were a Giants fan at this point and you look at the organization and you look at, you know, the, the quarterback transition that's coming and and the things that have been done would you feel good at this point about about where this team is headed? Would you feel good about the work that that Dave has done so far? Well, I, I would I would say that I kind of have a skewed opinion because I've I've been there in that in that chair, and so I understand that he's only been there a little over a year back at back in New York, and so it's got to give it time to play out. And so I'm, I'm going to cut him some slack and, and see how his plan unfolds and how his vision develops and how these players turn out. Maybe Dexter Lawrence is, uh, is the next Warren Sapp. Maybe DeAndre Baker is a future all-pro corner. Or he, maybe he's Darrell Rivas. So we don't know that stuff yet. And one thing I, I do know is there are great players in every round of the draft to a draft room, I told our scouts there are all pros and Pro Bowl players in every round of this draft, and so all these other picks that can develop for the Giants all the way down to Chris Slayton from Syracuse, the defensive tackle, 
they could be the great player. They could be the Hall of Fame player. You don't know. I signed I signed John Randall after the draft in 1990 for five thousand bucks, and he was a 240 pound defensive tackle out of Texas A and I, and he ends up uh, he was undrafted. He ends up in the Hall of Fame. And Adam Thielen here in Minnesota is a wide receiver who was undrafted, had to attend a rookie tryout camp, and five years later he's a two time Pro Bowler. So you just don't know how things are going to turn out. And as I said, there are guys like Russell Wilson and Joe Montana who are third-round great players, and they're the Ryan Leafs, and he's shooters of the world who were first-round buffs. So it's an inexact science. Let it play out, and then we'll see. And so if I'm, if I'm a Giant fan, I, I will give Dave Gettleman an incomplete grade right now. I'm not going to give him a, a positive or a negative. I want to see how it plays out. Jeff, I really, really do appreciate uh, appreciate the time. Why don't you, I know you are part of a podcast of your own. Why don't you tell folks, you know, where they can find your work, where they can listen to your podcast? I, I appreciate that, Ed. I, I do a podcast with Jim Suhan of the Minneapolis Star Tribune on, on the talknorth.com network, and, and I write my weekly column for, for sportingnews.com. You can check that out, and do a lot of local media work in the Twin Cities now, and and uh, I work with an NFL agent group, and which is a lot of fun, doing a lot of different projects with them, and and different other media work and and consulting work. So, got a lot of stuff going on, and it's a lot of fun this time of year for sure. And and you don't have anybody yelling at you because you screwed up the draft. No, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, other than, other than if the players that we signed for the agent front that I recommend didn't work out. <laughs> Yeah, nobody nobody knows about that except except uh, you guys, which you keep to yourselves. Exactly. All right, Jeff. Thank you very much for the time, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again. Great. Thanks, Ed. Take Th- care. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you very much to Jeff Diamond for spending some time with us. You know, interesting stuff from Jeff, largely regarding, um, you know, Dave Gettleman. And, and one of the things that he's been criticized, you know, a lot for recently is not so much making the pick that he made, but for defending it in so many different ways. You know, and Jeff's main point throughout our interview was that that Dave made the pick. He believes in the pick. He just needs to stop talking about the pick, stop defending it, and, and let things play out and let the pick either defend itself or you know see what happens and and we'll know that it's that it might be the wrong pick you know we'll see how it plays out but nothing that anyone says at this point in time is really going to make any difference so you know his point that I wholeheartedly agree with is that Dave just needs to stop trying to explain it anyway with that said Giants fans we thank you very much for listening Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. All right, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.